Welcome to the Made in Excellence podcast. I'm Jacoby Madewell. We believe we are made in God's image and that he has called us to do great things. We are here to share how we have and are building our personal leadership and life's legacies through wealth. We are all about having a positive mindset, an attitude of gratitude, and believe that we are the sum of the five people we surround ourselves with. Come join us and help us grow and become better together. Let's dive in. Okay, man, glad we're here. I'm sitting here with uh, producer Mitch, and I'm sitting here with a guy named Stephen who's become a good friend of mine. And uh, let me introduce Stephen to you a little bit, and I'll let him introduce, introduce himself as well. Uh, Stephen Storm, friend, client, but most importantly, pastor. I think that's where you're you're on my heaven team. Yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about you. I, I'm pastor at Victory Life Church. I've been going there since COVID. And, but yeah, tell us about you. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, Jacoby. I, uh, first of all, forgot I was a client when you said yeah. that. It kind of cracked me up. I was like, oh, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, you sold me my house. <laughs> Loved it. We love that house, by the Good. way, man. It's been a huge blessing. But uh, I'll circle back around, around to that in a sec. But yeah, I'm the uh, teaching pastor at Victory Life Church, which basically means teach from the pulpit. I am... Um, I love teaching the scriptures. I love studying them. Um, man, I've been, uh, I moved here in 2019, just before COVID, and I was the discipleship pastor at Victory Life. And after about a year, our our senior pastor uh, resigned. His wife had uh, Parkinson's and they moved on and um, started stepping in to fill in. And um, never had done that before. I used to joke with friends, you know, before before then that, man, I, I, I would never be a, a Sunday preacher because it takes me at least two weeks to get a message ready. So if I, <laughs> if I really had to do it, then, man, there's no way I could do it every Sunday. And so, man, it's been a massive life transformation for me, have management of time and so on. But but just a beautiful church. I love Victory Life. love the people. I love... Um, we've re- honestly grown to love Lubbock, too. Yeah. Like, uh, it, it's an acquired taste, I think. I yeah. think you, it takes a little time to get used to the wind and the weather and the dryness and the chapped yeah. lips and mm-hmm. you know, itching and just being dry. But, man, the people here are so wonderful, mm-hmm. and the community is awesome. And it's only like four hours to Rio Dosa? Yeah. Seven yeah. hours to Colorado Mountains, even, man. Yeah. So, like, I was in Rio Dosa this last weekend. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've we've just really, really grown to love the place. And, and so my role there is primarily just to lead the staff to teach on Sundays and just trying to carve out some time and 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 energy in our lives to be disciples that follow Jesus and make disciples, man. That's, that's a, awesome. That's what we are trying to be about, man. We have a mantra that says that we want to live for the advantage of others. Mm. And I think that's kind of one way to encapsulate Jesus' call to love your love God and to love others is that our heart is for to try to be focused on the the advantage of the people around us rather than just on our own selves. And so, man, we're doing a lot of um, maybe unique and interesting stuff. I don't know. Most of it hasn't started off yet, but one of the things that we're trying to do as a church is to teach our people to be, um, um, let's say, Worship-oriented in their work. Yes. You know, you've heard us talk about that term, We're going to get into we're gonna that. We're going to get into that a little I bit. I wanted so. to know, one of the things before we get into that, yeah. the reasons I like you, I think, a lot is because your journey. 
Okay. You were not like a, hey, I'm going to go to high school, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to go to seminary school, and now I'm preaching or now yeah. I'm leading. Okay. Yeah, man. You're, um, you were, and I might be wrong, was an electrician? I was, yeah. Tell me, okay, tell me where you, where's home if you're going to climb home before Lubbock. Texas. Just Texas, all over. I've only lived in Texas. Okay. I was born in Austin and um, lived there till I was 13. And at the age of 13, I moved back, or not moved back, I moved to Eastland. My dad got a job in the oil field. Mm-hmm. And Eastland's kind of on the edge of, of okay. West Texas. It's If you go down south on 84, to hit, you hit I-20 mm-hmm. and, and hang a left and go east. Eastland's right. about... I like know, Cisco, maybe. Eastland. Down yeah, there. Uh-huh. yeah, it's just yeah. past Abilene, but before Weatherford and yeah. Fort Worth. So okay. went to high school there, met my wife there, and um, got, we, man, we ended up moving down to, uh, back, after graduation, moved back down to Austin, because I was like, man, I got to get back. I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to get back to Austin, and I ended up um, going to school and um, working at a restaurant. I'm not, I don't know how much detail you're looking for here. No, all of it? Uh, Everything you want to share? Man, it was just a, it was a party life. I, mm-hmm. I was uh, I was raised in the church, but I wasn't, I really wasn't following the Lord, man. I was more inter- interested in like what was good for me. Mm-hmm. And so that included drugs, alcohol, uh, girls, namely my girlfriend, JC at the time. And man, it was, but it was rough. It was like she and I were on again, off again. We we're 19 and living in Austin, 300 miles from our parents. And man, it, she came to me one day and was like, man, I'm Stephen, I'm pregnant. I was like, oh, and uh, I didn't, man, I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen, right? I, that was a, that was a crazy season. And so she was, um, she was adamant that it was like, we're going to, I'm going to keep this baby. And like her family would tell her like, look, man, we agree with that decision. That's, that's awesome. But you don't have to marry this guy. <laughs> and so, and, but I was like, wait, you know, I, I, I want to be a part of this. And I like, I knew I was supposed to, I was supposed to help, right? I, I I knew I was supposed to step in and to be the husband that, and the father of this child. And so that kind of, that started a relationship off sort of as a duty, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. And uh, it wasn't easy. And we were in Austin, Texas, 20 year olds and with a, with a newborn and man, just trying to do the right thing, trying to go back to church. Really? I mean, I remember trying to get back into a church that I went to as a kid and they don't have any small groups for 20 year old people with babies. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, I don't mean 29, I mean like two zero mm-hmm. and a baby. And it was just awkward and weird. And we felt judged. We weren't being judged, but that's how we felt, you know? And, um, all of a sudden life was just too hectic. Our, my son got to be two years old and I was going, I was still trying to go to school and she was, well, let me say it this way. I was getting up about seven in the morning, getting on the bus and going downtown to the, to UT. And then I'd come back about four o'clock, change clothes and go to work at a restaurant until 10, 30, 11. I'd get home, go to bed, do the same thing the next day. And then my wife, JC worked on the weekends and man, it was just, we never, we passed each other in the hallway, man. And I barely got to be a dad and it just wasn't, it wasn't working. And man, we went home for, I don't remember if it was Memorial Day or or Labor Day, but we went back to Eastland where our parent, both of our parents still lived for a, a weekend. I ran across one of my high school buddies and uh, he was like, hey man, look, I'm starting this electrical contracting field, uh, electrical contracting business. And I just, I need some help, man. I want somebody to be a part of it with me. And I thought, man, here's a chance. Here's yeah. a chance to like be a family. And so we talked about it and we decided I dropped out of school and, and we moved back and started Man, just hustling, and the two of us in a Ford Ranger. I think it's about all we had. And we had a couple of tool belts and just yeah. and just working, and 
man, he was, he was a, I wasn't, but he was a great businessman and, and he was great salesman. And, but it just grew. We were honest and we did a good job and that grew. So there were 10 years of that and had two more kids while we were there in Eastland. And, um, so that makes three and just kind of doing our thing. But man, always in my heart, there was this real, there was this real twinge and a, and a tug into eternal things and into the family environment that I grew up in, the church environment that I grew up in when I was a kid back in Austin. And so we, JC and I started kind of getting back in the church, but man, it was rough. It was like, it was like, I don't know how to say it, but every other Sunday we'd show up, you know, kind of just depending on how much we drank the Saturday, the night before and how, how late we sat out with our friends. And so it's kind of like one foot in God things and one foot in Stephen things mm. still. And, wow. um, yeah. Along about along the way, there was this uh, they got this new youth minister at the church. There it was the first Baptist church in Eastland. This new youth minister came on, and he he was uh, he's about my age, maybe a little younger. He was uh, we got to be good friends. We kind of hit it off and had a lot of things in common. And he stood up one Sunday at towards the end and made an announcement about this mission trip they wanted to go on called World World Changers. And World Changers is just it's basically a bunch of youth groups that converge on a city and they go to a school and they all they'll all just um, they'll worship at night and have churchy stuff then and celebrate and blah, 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 and eat. And then, But during the day, they'd break out and go into the community, and they'd build stuff. They'd do wheelchair ramps for for a, a widow, or they'd paint a house, or they'd put a roof on a house, or just do all kinds of construction projects. And so, man, he, he was announcing this and saying, we need people that are good in construction to go. And I thought, I was sitting there in Eastland, Texas, and about, I don't know, I was probably 26, 27 at the time, and I thought, man, I can do that. I can. I could, I'd, that'd be fun. And we're going to Florida. I thought this would be a fun trip to go to Florida. Right. And so I jumped on the team and we went, man. And make a long story short, when I got there in Tallahassee, Florida, the, the job site I was assigned to was I had this guy that was a supervisor. Like he was a local. He knew right. the codes, he had tools in his truck, and he'd come to the job site every day and just be like, I had like 12 kids on my crew and then me and another adult was helping. Right. And he was like, way more interested in talking to me about Jesus and his faith than he was worried about the job. He'd, <laughs> he'd take about five minutes and say, man, Stephen, how's the job? You got what you need? Y'all, you understand what you're doing? Yeah, man, we're good, we're good. And then then he would start telling me about his church, telling me about something, testimony of somebody at his church or what Jesus was doing in his life. It's day after day. He was just really encouraging me and challenging me. And so finally got to the last day, and uh, Stan, he really just squared up on me, man. He just... He didn't put his hands on me, but he might as well have. It felt like he just was, somebody was squeezing my shoulders. As Stan just looked me in the eye and he just said, "Stephen, you have got to show these kids how to live. You've got to bring them to your house. You got to show them what it means to follow Jesus." And so I was just really the Spirit just convicted me, man. I was cut to the heart, and the Lord used him to really awaken in me again this hunger for a closer relationship with Him. And so I went back to the sort of the, the school where we were sleeping that night and we had worship. And I just, I remember just staring at the wall. Like I, I couldn't really focus on what was going on. I was just wrestling with the Lord. And we got on the bus 6.30 the next morning to drive like 14 hours back to Eastland from Tallahassee. And I don't know where on that road, but somewhere on that road between Tallahassee, Florida and Eastland, Texas, I just finally surrendered to the Lord and said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I, I felt like he had been calling me and I'd been fighting it off since I was probably 18 but somewhere on that highway, sorry, I got. I just gave up, and I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And so I got home, 
And I told JC, I told my wife about this whole event, and I just said, what do you think? And she just looked at me, and she goes, Stephen, I'll follow you wherever God leads us to go. That's and awesome. I, and I was, I was shocked, and I was kind right. of scared, too, because like that was my last chance to get out of the deal. She, <laughs> she was all in on it, too. And so, man, it was a whirlwind. But a month later, literally a month later, I changed jobs from being in the electrical industry to working it for a... Uh, as an electrician for a good friend of mine's, uh, he had a gas plant there in Ranger. Area. Okay. Uh-huh. He hired me to work three days a week in, in a gas plant and gave me off Tuesdays and Thursdays so I could go to seminary. And so oh, I got cool. a, in, inside of a month, I got a new job. I enrolled in seminary and I started classes as uh, in, in theological education. And so, man, that was where was that at? That was uh, Southwestern Baptist Theological in Fort Worth. So you were driving? Yeah, about ninety minutes. Okay. And so, man, which was actually a blessing, just being able to have some. Radio time. I spent a lot of <laughs> yeah. time on the phone with my dad on the drive back, just talking through things I was learning, and mm-hmm. it, it was it was beautiful. But man, after that, um, actually started working on the staff at church in Eastland, uh, First Baptist Eastland, for five years, and then I got called to a church in Houston for five years, uh, Kingwood First Baptist Church yeah. on the northeast side of Houston, and then from there, I came to to Lubbock. And man, that's an I could take another hour on this story of that transition, brother. But just it was just a just really feeling like a sense of, man, there's there's someone else for that church, and God has something different for me. And I just, we, we just took a step of faith and, and moved away from that, and the Lord opened up a, an opening here in Lubbock and came here yeah. in 2019. And, uh, and then that kind of catches up the story. I was doing discipleship for the first year, and then right in the middle of COVID, got became the interim pastor. And, yeah. And, uh, well, I knew you were different from the first time we went, and actually, it was middle of COVID, and we have some land out of New Home, and I was driving up and down Slide, and I live off 114th and Slide. The church is on 122nd and Slide, and I have some land in New Home, and I drove back and forth like four times in one day, and I've never been one that's like, I'm being pulled, I'm being pulled, I'm being pulled. Like, I don't know why, I just never felt that, and I every time I drove past the church, it was like, you need to go there, you need to go there, and it happened to me four times in one day, and I told Haley, like, We've been church jumping for, we've been together six and a half years now, and that was, so we've been church jumping for four years. And like, she wanted, we tried the church she went to, tried the one I went to, we tried new ones, and it was just never working. And we went there, and the first day, the first Sunday we were there was where we had to exit for COVID out the front. So that means we had to leave through the front, and we had to walk right past you. And you literally said, you guys are new here. And you like, recognize that right off the bat. And you said, we need to do lunch. And that was like right off the bat. I was like, I was probably trying to get a free lunch. Man. Yeah, well, <laughs> probably, yeah, no, but uh, I was like, this. The, you preached. I, I always felt like the reason Jesus preached in parables is for people like me that can't focus long enough to to stay with the preacher and uh, have to dumb it down. And I was like, he uses some props. He's also very scriptural based. I like this guy. And uh, yeah, so that was why I was like, this guy's different. And then come to find out your story, I'm all he's relatable because he's been through <laughs> things that's not just. You know, yeah. Um, so true. yeah, and I feel like some of the things that you're passionate about, I'm passionate about, yeah. and that's people. Right. I love people. Uh, my mission statement is to create a positive environment to of encouragement and dreaming to experience heck yes moments with everybody around me. Mm. And um, you've reached out to me, and one other thing I like also is that you kind of call people out a little bit, and not in like a way that you need to be called out, but you're like, hey man, you you have people, you have this, you need to be doing this, this, and this, and I always appreciate that. And you have a very passionate um, passion towards missions. And one of the reasons we talked about that is because you can't go into foreign countries and just be like, hey, we're, can we go into your country and just start yeah. teaching and preaching Jesus? 
So you have this grand idea that is coming to fruition. And that's what we talk about Avidal. And now Avidal is a core value in my company. And it sits on the wall. I don't know if you've seen that. I have it on a poster. No, I mean, I haven't. I've got it in there somewhere, but it's got, I've got another poster that says Avidal, seamless way of living between work, worship, and service. So yeah. for those of you who don't know the word, explain the word, explain Avidal, and explain to how you've become so passionate about it and how that started and where'd you hear about it? Because every time I mention somebody, they're like, I've never heard that before. Yeah, man. So first of all, I got to say, this isn't my idea and I didn't even really steal it from somebody else. It's just a, it's just a biblical word. Uh, the, fir- the first place I heard it probably was through Open Network or Open USA. It's a Patrick, Patrick Lye is a missionary and also a theologian and teacher that founded the Open Network. And I probably heard of it from him first. He's got a book called Workship, W-O-R-K-S-H-I-P, mm-hmm. that kind of describes that in more detail. But but man, the word it's it like you said, I don't have my notes in front of me, but it is it's a Hebrew word that is that is used three different ways. Mm-hmm. So that's probably not the best way to describe it, but it's it's tra- and translated to English three different ways because we're a Western culture and they were an Eastern culture and they didn't the, the ancient Hebrews, man, they didn't distinguish their job or their daily work from worship like we would think on Sunday or whenever they would go to a synagogue or gather at the temple. They didn't distinguish those things from a, a worship perspective. It was more holistic. Their life was supposed to be an offering to God. All right. It. It's kind of like, is it passion mean purpose in the Hebrew? Doesn't Is it passion means like to fulfill your purpose? And that's kind of what they did back then was fulfilling God and everything they're doing. Man, you're ahead of me on that one. I'm not sure how to, I'm not sure how to define that from, okay. from the Hebrew. But this particular word is used like when Moses was when the Lord told him to go and bring my people out of Egypt and bring them back to this mountain where they will abadah. Mm. Okay, and so that would be worship, but it's also used in terms of serving another person. Like I think it's if you look at the transcript in when I can't remember the reference of the passage, but whenever, whenever uh, Solomon had died and his son. Rehoboam, Jeroboam, man, I'm getting, I'm getting mixed up. I can't remember which one the name. There's you could have gone with too it. many names. Man. I never would. I think it's Rehoboam. His son was going to take over, and so the, okay. the men came into council with him, and they were basically like, "Look, if you'll lighten our load, we will serve you as king. So we'll be subject to you, and we'll serve you." And that's the word there is Avodah also. Mm-hmm. So it's service as well, but they also use it to mean to mean the typical type of daily work. And so really, the concept just bring pulls over for us is that we have. Um, we measure as a Western culture, man. We measure everything. We we yeah. divide it, we segregate it into into minutes and seconds, and and we we categorize things. And we do the same thing with our faith in in sense that faith is a Sunday thing. When I go to church, I think about faith things. And when I go to work, I do work things. When I do hobby, I do my hobby things. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, God is Lord of our life. He's right. not just Lord of the sanctuary on Sunday, and we're supposed to think about it. And then this is, how are we supposed to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to Him all the time? And so is there a way that we can right now, when we go into our offices, when you go into your cubicle, when you put the tool belt on, whatever your occupation is, how is it that that could be a place where you exemplify the integrity of Christ, the attitude of Christ, and worship God through your interaction with with people that you're around? And so it's like... If you're going to love other people, where's the best place to do that? It's probably inside of a relationship. You know, I mean, you can do random acts of kindness walking down the sidewalk, mm-hmm. but 
when you have a relationship with somebody that you work with and you don't steal from them and you don't backtalk them and you don't you don't try to climb the corporate ladder over the top of their head, but you live for their advantage. You try to make them better. You're looking to help people around you, man. You're walking and living like, like Christ would live if he were in that exact place. And yeah. so I think that's as good of a description as I can give to you of Avadah in a short period of time. Man, that's awesome. I love it so much. And because I think I love it because it started with, um, you brought the guys in from, I believe it's BLT business. B40. B40. Yeah, that's like a... Just a nonprofit, that, but Business for Transformation Life. Yeah, it's, like, it's an acronym, right? Business right. for Transformation, but it's a, it's, it's a specific um, definition. So if you think of the word BAM, business as mission, like mm-hmm. I'm going to do my job as a ministry, mm-hmm. okay? And a lot of people will do that, and they'll go, they'll pick up and move from here to, say, Seattle, where it's a less churched area, and they'll start a business over there just for the sake of meeting people and leading them to Christ. Mm-hmm. But they use their businesses as a way to get into the neighborhood. And other people do, BAM happens all over the place. People do that um, here in Lowick, mm-hmm. you know? And so like like a beaten bow is a great example of, right. of that kind of an idea. So B for T is a smaller circle within the larger circle of BAM, business okay. as mission. B for T is specifically BAM, but working in the 1040 window. Right. And, and to define the 1040 window, it's the... 10, la- 10 latitude and uh, and 40 latitude north of the equator over basically Middle East, Asia, um, where most of the unengaged people groups are or unreached people groups. So an unreached people group is they're kind of getting technical definitions, but unreached, unengaged, unengaged, you can just think of it as basically a place where there's not any Christians. And so... That's what B for T is. It's trying to uproot from here and take skills and ability and capital and go start a business in an unengaged nation for the sake of the kingdom of God. Because you can't walk over to the to the doorway of India and say, "Hey, I'm a Christian. I want to plant a church. Is there any land I can buy?" They won't even they won't even let you in the country. You can't get into India on a on a on a missionary visa. Right. But you can if you are opening a business, you can go over there. And so. One of the things I love about Open USA and and Patrick Lai in particular is they're not trying to like be secretive about the way that they do mission work. They don't hide being a Christian. They they'll walk up to the to the mayor in some city in India and say, "Look, I'm a Christian and I want to start a business. I'm going to do it a Christian way. I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to pray to Jesus and I'm going to treat people with respect and I'm going to talk about Jesus. People ask me questions. I, I want to be able to answer those questions, but I'm going to do the business above board. We're going to pay our taxes and that's why we're here." And then that's what they do. And they're, they're like, yeah, that's fine. Come on, you can be a Christian. They, I mean, if you're white and you're from America, they think you're a Christian anyway. Yeah. Even though most people aren't, but that's the way they think over there. So mm-hmm. you go over there and you and you open up your business and you treat people with respect. And I mean, if you read the book Workship, you'll hear, read some just amazing stories of, of just loving people and extending grace to people. And they respond with just just amazing heart to learn more and to know more about this Jesus who has changed our lives. And so it's just a powerful yeah. methodology. Yeah. And so I, humans are still humans and they respond to right. people being nice and people being gracious. And, um, and kind of the, the idea of Avadah is that um, church is Monday through Saturday. You know, we see church as Sunday and Sunday activities, but church is Monday through Saturday. Uh, how, how are you seeing this? I'm seeing this in my own business. And, you know, of course I own Made Real Estate. But we have it as our mission to honor and glorify God and using our expertise and honesty to help as many people as we can. 
But we would love to bring more people to the kingdom, save more souls, do all that, as well as sell a ton of houses and do more things for our own legacies and, you know, for our families and help build the kingdom through all that. How are you seeing kind of this? And I never heard of it as BAM. I, I didn't even realize it was an organization. I was always thinking these were just little acronyms you made up. No, no, no. I didn't make them up, but they're not, they're not organizations. Okay. They're just, uh, they're just acronyms to acronyms, describe okay. a concept. So how are you seeing BAM and Lubbock? Wow. Or how are you promoting love, BAM, you know, Avadov business across missions, business as missions? Well, I really, I think it's really hard for us to desegregate our work from our worship. I mean, I think, I think even people that are hearing hearing this podcast, maybe for the first time or whatever, mm-hmm. and thinking about this, they're thinking, like, okay, so you're saying at my job I can do Christian stuff, but no, I'm not saying at your job you you sort of like drag in uh, gospel presentations to your neighbor <laughs> right. and then and but then you just keep doing your job. I think one of the easiest ways to think about it is Martin Luther had this saying, and he said. A Christian cobbler isn't somebody that puts a cross on their shoe. And for your listeners, a, a cobbler is somebody that makes <laughs> shoes. I don't know if anybody knows that anymore. Got to tell our Gen Z. A Christian cobbler isn't somebody that puts a cross on the top of their shoe. A Christian cobbler is somebody that makes a really good shoe. Mm. And I'm like, God called us to do good works. Right. Okay, that doesn't mean generosity and showing compassion exclusively. Okay, that can also mean like building a quality house. That's good. I mean, God. In the in creation, he said to have dominion over the earth. He said to be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. So he wanted to fill the earth with his goodness and with his image, which meant to have dominion over the earth. And I mm. love to think about, like, the Apostle Paul paid for his own missionary work for the most part by making tents. He was a tent yep. maker, right? And so when he when he made tents back in the day, he probably made them out of really heavy stuff like leather. He made them probably for the Roman military. I mean, those would mm. have been the people that would have been that would have probably had the money to been able to buy the tents that he could make. I'm just this. That's I, I got that from a from a journal I read several years ago in the Southwestern Baptist Theological Journal. They'd put one out, and it was a really good article. But nevertheless, the point is, Paul made these wares with his hands, but if if Paul got on a time machine and he came and he went backpacking with me and I pulled the tent out of my backpack and it was like, I don't know, this is smaller than a shoebox and it weighed three pounds and it had a zipper on it and it kept the rain out, but it let the wind in and it was cool. And I could, you know, you could fold it up and put it back in your pocket in five minutes. Like, I think he'd have been shocked. Right. But he wouldn't have been like, how dare you make a tent better than mine? He would have been like, Holy crap, how great is the God that we serve that he's made this earth with so many amazing resources that we could have dominion over, that we could create something as amazing as a tent that'll fit nearly in your pocket, and you don't have to have a horse to carry it from point A to point B. He couldn't have even imagined that kind of a thing. So I think that what we do with our hands and the way that we work, we can worship God in that by making things. Now, not not all work can honor God because, you know, if if you're working for the cartel, <laughs> you're going to struggle to make that right. an Avadah concept right, because right. it's sin, right? Mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, the idea that it's kind of, it kind of attaches to uh, God called us to work hard, you know? He called us to do that, and I think I, I pulled up this picture. It sits on the wall of my brother's office on the way outside of his door, and it says, quote of the week, God is in control, but he doesn't expect you to lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. 
I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll just send that to you. But it's kind of the idea of he wants us to 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 do great things, to do great yeah. things properly. And to, you know, I've never thought about Avidah being the quality of the work. I've thought about it as being how hard I work. Because gotcha. I've thought about it as we we, you know, blood, sweat, tears, like this is a this is a, a, a privilege to be able to work hard. Yeah, it is. We man. shouldn't take this for granted. We shouldn't take, you know, take this take advantage of this. You know, God has so many people that, that don't have the abilities and capabilities or options or things that I have. So my playing small in life is playing small for Jesus too. You know, it's playing small ball says I have a small God versus I have a big God. We go big. We do big things. We work hard. We hustle. We give. We, you know, that sort of thing. And that's kind of how I've sure. always seen Avadah as well. And I may be wrong. It's just my I interpretation. Um, I have a friend of mine I was telling this to, and it's kind of like, it kind of fills the gap between we have to be, there has to be a place in life for people that are not me. I am risk. I will, I will take risks. I am driven. I am loud. I am outgoing. I am not a nine to fiver. I'm more of like a seven to sevener, you know? Um, but there has to be people and they, and there are a couple of ladies that work for me that are, the nine to fiver, they fill a role. They do that. But now that what you're saying, I'm like, they are so um, living within the Avadah, the way they speak, the way they act, the way they serve. I mean, it is it is literally worshiping God, the way how good they are at their jobs. Yeah, sure. Like even a stay at home mom. I yeah, mean, she's, it's also true. She's working mm -hmm. and giving her life and sacrificing for her children so that they can grow up for their purpose. And mm -hmm. I think, man... That is a beautiful example of serving God by serving your children and giving the best that you have to your kids, whether you homeschool them or whatever you do. You know, so I think yeah. it doesn't matter what the occupation is. I think it matters about the heart and the motivation and the intent of offering our hard work. And you're on point, man, for sure, with regard to the to working hard and to being ready for every opportunity, man. Some people love risk. And some people will avoid it. But I yeah. think, you know, we need people that are sitting in cubicles and can stare down a spreadsheet for 12 hours a day, man. And just <laughs> That's see not me, but yeah. Me either, man. <laughs> but, to, but to see patterns and to, mm -hmm. and to figure that kind of a stuff stuff out with regard to finance or engineering, man. I'm just God has made us so distinct and so different that there's so much variety. It's beautiful. I mean, you can mm -hmm. look at his, the world that he created. There's so much mm -hmm. variety. It's exciting to think about different ways that we can have dominion over it, if you will, yeah, and make it into something that has order and that has value for people around us. I mean, like, even we talked about profit the other a couple of Sundays ago, and even the profit is like an evil thing. You know, you have you have nonprofit organizations like a church, a five hundred one c three, and then you have companies that are for profit. And companies that are for profit are evil, and churches and other nonprofit organizations are good. You know, mm -hmm. and it's like that's really that's really. Foolish. It's not even. Right. It's not even biblical at all. I mean, Abraham was exceedingly wealthy, and and he won. The way he was wealthy was the multiplication of his animals predominantly. And they, God made the, made animals to multiply, humans to multiply. Like you looked, ever look at an orange tree? Have you ever gone to <laughs> California? Never, somebody never, they're just like so. or a plum tree. Yeah, they're just they're hanging to the ground. They have so much fruit on them. They're just an abundance, and so. 
man, I think the there's ways you can make profit that's evil, and there's things you can do with profit that's evil, like hoard it all for yourself. Mm-hmm. But if you're living for the advantage of others and you're looking for ways to sow that profit back into the company to make more opportunities for more jobs, to, to be generous with your excess to other people that have need, and then, man, the Profit's a beautiful thing that blesses millions and millions of people every day. Yeah. So I'm thankful for uh, family that I have that works in Apple computers or Dell computers or places like that, that these companies that make a profit that provide them with a, a way to make a living and to interact and have relationships that it's just not an evil thing, but yeah. it can be used for evil. It's like any tool, man. An iPhone, you can use it for drastically devilish things, yeah. but you can also use it for amazingly good and organized yeah, well. and I think about that. I, th- I feel like it's kind of becomes part of the calling, like w- the culture that you build at an organization or at your church or whatever you're leading. You know, as leaders, we're called to create a culture for people to come into and it be a warm, welcoming, fun play. Like fun is one of my values. Like we're here for eight hours a day together. We better be having some fun. Yeah. And I was with some guys this weekend that said, you know, Jesus had to cut up with those disciples. <laughs> it's like, it's I hope so, That's man. a great, you know, I could never thought of it, but it's like, I bet he was, I bet he was. I bet they cut up and, you know. Sure, man. That's um, one of my favorite parts about that series, The Chosen. I don't know if you've watched any of somebody that. Somebody else but, is telling me about that. I've only seen yeah, one, just like one little snippet of it. But watching the, the way episode. the character of Jesus interacts with other people, and he's sort of sarcastic at times, but <laughs> in a very appropriate way. But right. he's he's never rushed, never in a hurry. And I, yeah, I agree, man. I, I think I think Jesus was absolutely like that. I mean, the fruit of the spirit is love and joy. Right. The first two. Yeah. If you if you're not laughing when you're full of joy and enjoying yourself, that it's not joy. Right. And we have to create this culture, though. I think that um, that's why we want to go make more profit is so that we can kind of grow the company because we believe in the culture that we've created. Because now that is then we don't just touch our employees and our people that work at the company. I have a lot of 1099 people, so I can't say like employees, but we have a bunch of people that work there. It's also their families that we get to touch and what they want to go do and their kids. And we're, you know, it's like, we want it to be big because we want it like the trickle down effect, of course. And there's sure. the money side of it too. Um, I've been really, really broke. Not that I have a whole lot, but I've been really, really broke. And it's yeah. way, I'm way happier with money than I'm without money. Right. And that's what we we're talking about. You know, that's, it's not that money's the bad, it's the, 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 the love of money is the bad thing, you know? Of course. So. Man, I love the topic of Abadah. I think that it kind of, for me, the reason I like it so much is because it kind of filled a gap. Like I knew I wanted to touch people's lives. I knew I wanted to do this. I knew I wanted to like help and I wanted to do things for Jesus. I wanted to do all that. I just didn't know I like have like the right word to explain it to people. It was just more like a passion that I would like being loud and outgoing and whatever. It's kind of like, he's just really intense, isn't he? And that kind of, it kind of uh, seals it up for me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Mitch, you like the word Abadah? What do you think about that? Mitch is Mitch is my marketing guy. So he runs all my marketing stuff, and uh, he's a goes to Lubbock Christian. He's just an incredible dude. And uh, this is his first job he's had with Madewell Real Estate Company outside of college. Yeah. Well, Jacoby introduced me to Abadah uh, yesterday, or was it yesterday? Maybe two days, two days ago. ago. Yeah. Um, and so Jacoby's really good about flying through things. And so uh, <laughs> I got like a really brief and uh, – fast-paced summary of everything but when you sat down and said all that that really makes sense and something that I would love to incorporate it makes a lot of sense though now yeah I just don't think people are given the opportunity 
in their daily lives to be leaders. And I think Avadah kind of gives you a self of like a self leadership role to be directly connected to what, like your mission in life and your mission with your job. Like your mission with your job may be to do these nine to five activities. But I can tell you there is a title company here in town that has the greatest receptionist I've ever met in my life. You leave there, you feel good. She's going to call you honey, sugar, sweetums, everything. <laughs> and you leave there, everybody walks out the door and they go, man, she's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Like, she's, she is literally worshiping God through her spirit, through who she is, how she beautiful treats though? you. It's so awesome. Yeah. I think we overcomplicate. No doubt. Yeah. Anyways, man, thanks for being here today. Thanks yeah. for explaining that. Heck yeah, man. And... um I want to do more together. I know we're going to do more together. I know you've got a bunch of ideas. I know you've got a bunch of things we're going to do. We need to we need to do more real estate together. I mean, I only need one house, bro. I know. We got to get. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we're. I mean, right now, what we're trying to do is is develop some land that we have. Our church is yeah. situated right between one twenty second and uh, the new loop, or one thirtieth, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you will. And so, man, we have like fifty acres, and we yeah. don't need that much for for a church or at least not the ch- the main portion of the church right we're not trying to build a crystal cathedral to honor ourselves we want to use that land that's there and uh man this is something we're, we're excited about trying to figure out like it's it's we're just stirring the waters and trying to figure out the accounting of it and the legalities of it and so on but as far as having um, tax-free property or 501c3 property that we we develop our own to do business on, and then the proceeds of that business aiming it at the 1040 window or the place where there's the most unengaged people. I yeah. mean, we're really trying to focus it there. And I, I just want to, if you don't mind, let me just no, point, point no. out why. I mean, that's, look, there's, if you look at the, a lot of Christians have heard of the Great Commission before, mm-hmm. Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20. Jesus said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you, and I am with you to the end of the age. And so I like to ask people, I mean, like, what's the what's the main thrust there? And usually it's about half and half. People will say, Go, you gotta go. And the other half will say, make disciples. But really it's the main verb there is make disciples, okay? But so once you once you figure that out, the what people don't think through is that there's an object to that verb. That's And make disciples is the only verb in the sentence, okay? Going is a participle, and we're not going to get into the grammar lesson, but it, <laughs> it's just like going and teaching and baptizing is how you make disciples, right. okay? But the, the making of disciples has an object. There's an object to that verb, and that's all nations. Make disciples of all nations. That's a that's, that's really important part. We're not just randomly going out to make as many disciples as we can. Jesus said, make disciples of the nations, okay? And then after that, he ascended, and then after that, the Holy Spirit came, and the book of Acts kicked off, all right? And so some other key important things to recognize here. When in, Right before Matthew 28, where he shares this great commission, he's, he's doing the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24. And there, along around verse 14, Jesus makes this statement where he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed to as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. It's like, until all the nations hear this gospel, there's not going to be an end yet, okay? Mm-hmm. If, you, if you read that literally, 
That's what he's saying. And then similarly, you look and look in Revelation 7, 9, and, and lots of other places where it depicts at the throne of Jesus Christ is going to be every language and every tongue and every tribe. There's going to be every nation. All the nations or tribes or tongues are going to be at the feet of Jesus, at the throne of Jesus, worshiping him, right? So we haven't done that yet. If you think of a nation as a geopolitical organization, that's been accomplished. We've we have there's Christians in every geopolitical organization, but there's not Christians that worship God and are disciples in every language. Hmm. And so that's what he is meaning in my interpretation, interpretation of a lot of other missiologists. When we say make disciples of the nations, he's not just talking about what we would consider Iran and Iraq. He's talking about the groups of language-speaking people there. Because if you remember, he created the languages. God created them all the way back in Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel. Right. He scattered them and gave them confusion because of their languages. And so what he scattered and spread out, he is going to redeem and bring back together as the body of Christ before it's over. And so this mission to, of Christ is really singular. It is to disciple the nations. We're going to, and so you have a lot of people that are aiming at the unengaged people groups or the unreached peoples of the world yet. And so that's on our property. That's what we're aiming at doing with regard to creating businesses that can make a profit and taking the, that profit, whether we lease land to somebody else that has business and we take the lease money or however it works out, we're still trying to figure that out. But point those funds to the least reached people. Because when you think about an unengaged nation, what you're what you're thinking of is like the worst possible scenario. Right. There's no yeah. Christians. There's no scripture in their language. There's nobody there that is fighting for prison reform, that's fighting for the poor, that's fighting for the oppression of the widow or the orphan. There's nobody there that's standing up for those kinds of things. But in, in Lubbock, you have hundreds and thousands and right. thousands of people that are doing that here. So rather than try to take the profit from that and dump it into this community, we're trying to point it to that place where both theologically and practically it's most needed. And the resource that's that's still in Lubbock is like us. Mm -hmm. And that's the best resource of all, right. is the people that we can have here. But we're trying to find ways to invest in that, that, that mission of Christ, that unreached people group. So Anyway, I just wanted to sh I wanted to share that, man. It's kind of a it's kind of on our hearts. It's yeah. a, something that we're something you're super passionate about. Man, yeah, that's like uh, it's like why I'm here. Yeah, I love it, love it. Um, as you're think as you're talking, I'm just over here thinking about like everyday activities, everyday activities of things that I do that I can do, am doing, because I think people feel sometimes that we have to. So let me back that up. I think people feel sometimes they have to get perfect or be perfect before they can serve. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking about like um, the people that don't know God yeah. and that they're over there, like there's got to be good people, right? Sure. They're good people. Um, and I think there's a lot of people that might even hear this that would just think, I'm going to go do this when, and this is something I heard from this men's retreat I went on. And then we think I have to be perfect. I have to be better. I have to be fully whatever it is, before I can go do right. anything. Talk to the people that are um, in Lubbock, Plainview, Texas. You know, this might reach little town of Oklahoma or something that feel like they can't do massive things. Wow, that's, that's it's heartbreaking to think that, man. But, you know... Because people do believe that. Yeah. 
I'm, yeah, sure. I mean, they watch TV and they they or they'll they'll turn on YouTube and they'll see John Piper preach this magnificent sermon, or they'll they'll see you know Tom Brady or pick somebody else make this amazing play on TV, and they're like, man, I don't have those skills, right? But that what what happens when you take your gifts and you compare them to somebody that the world elevates up? You're just mm. measuring the outside, right? And God doesn't measure the outside; He measures the heart. Godly view and the versus way worldly view. God defines success as in terms of our obedient response to His leading in our hearts. And so, the very best thing any of us can do is to take His Word and read it, and listen to His Word, and listen to His Spirit, and respond with an affirmative yes to what He leads us to do. It doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if you're just caring for the widow next door to your house, and nobody ever even knows about it, but you're loving somebody the way God has called you to do that. That's the very best thing you can do, and He's the only one that we should be aiming to please. And, and so I think people get People really get frozen up thinking that they're supposed to be doing something that somebody else is doing and getting on TV for, you mm-hmm. know? Which kind of makes me feel a little self-conscious sitting here thinking, imagine somebody in a car somewhere hearing me talk about this, and they're driving yeah. down the road and thinking, oh, man, this sounds really cool. And like, he, that preacher guy, man, he must be amazing. He, I'm like, I'm... I'm an idiot in so many... Ask my wife. In <laughs> That's so why I wanted to start off with your story. I do dumb stuff. I've got people in my church mad at me right now for something dumb I said last weekend. And yeah. so it's just, we're, we're, we're all flawed people. Yeah. But the very best thing we can do is respond to the opportunities God puts in front of us. Some of them are big, some of them are small, but obedience and saying yes to Christ, man, is the very best thing any of us can do. And I don't know what kind of fruit you're going to see of it, but... God's going to make that into something amazing eventually. And so I just say, t- take the next yes. That, that Whatever the door opens up, whatever the Lord opens up in front of you, walk through that door, say yes, and do that. I mean, that's all we can do. That's and so awesome. There's so many people doing amazing big things that we think are of God, but it's really just, they're just skilled. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're popular mm-hmm. and they're funny and they get a big following, but it's all going to be nothing yeah. at the day of judgment. I love that mm-hmm. you'd com- you said comparison in there because I think comparison, judgment, kind of could go right in line with one another. And um, usually I think sometimes the reason we do comparison is, be- I mean, obviously comparison is an internal view. It's why we judge others. We're projecting upon what is internal inside of us. So like when you when people will judge, you're usually comparing, you know, what they're doing or um, you know, the word that was used this weekend was throwing stones. And yeah. um, and uh, I think that's why sometimes we want to be perfect is because it's like I know inside of me I'm comparing to that worldly view versus having a godly view and saying yes to the opportunity. I love that. Amen. I love that. Man, that's awesome. Man, I could sit here with you for four hours, but nobody would ever listen to us if we sat here that long. <laughs> right. I so listen. Uh, yeah. I asked this question. This question was asked to me years ago, and so it's something that stuck with me, and it's something I'm going to keep asking people. Um, you're driving down the highway. You have, there's a billboard. A, a million people, 10 million people are going to see it. Or you're standing on a stage. There's 10 million people in the audience. You have one thing you're going to deliver to people, one message you're going to say that you want the world to hear. What is that? What would you want your billboard to say? The elevator pitch? The elevator pitch or even smaller if you have it. Wow, man. Just fit it on one billboard? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Jacoby. That's a great question. I, I, 
totally am caught off guard with no, no <laughs> like that's very that profound. No, no, that's why I ask profound question. No profound answer. That's here. why I throw you off there because I want it to be something that's like that comes up from the deep of the heart. Wow, man. Gosh. Man, I guess sitting here right now, the thing, several things kind of randomly scattering, rolling through my brain. But, but just the idea that we could live for the advantage of somebody else. And yeah, I I love that mantra. I mean, it's honestly, it's the definition. It's the it's a seminary definition of the word righteousness in the book of Proverbs. There's wickedness and there's righteousness in Proverbs and. Wickedness is to live for your own advantage. Righteousness is to live for the advantage of somebody else. And so... That's awesome. I that, didn't know, I that, didn't know that, that. Is, That's how the words are used. It's, it's how they're compared. And so to say, man, live for the advantage of others would be exactly what Christ did. I mean, there's so many good one-liners. Love God, love others. I mean, mm-hmm. um, Jesus saves. So many good billboards yeah. out there. God loves you. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, that that's that's definitely a good one, man. I think in um in Proverbs two, I read a proverb every morning, you yeah, know, and I because it's just 31, love, 31. Yeah, yeah. it's just mm-hmm. thirty one Proverbs chapters in the book of Proverbs. So there's one for every day. This morning there's this there's sort of this five step process in the beginning of Proverbs, and he couldn't fit this on a billboard, but I'll just share it with you anyway. Okay. But he just says, receive his first one is to receive the the word. From the Lord to receive it, which means believe it, trust it, rely on it. God has revealed Himself in through His Word, right? Re- receive it, and then He says to to memorize it, store it up in your heart, and then He says meditate on it, think on it, reflect on it. So you got receive it, memorize it, reflect on it, and then He says cry out for it, which is like prayer and fasting, you know, like. John Piper, if you ever do any reading on John Piper, he's got this book, Hunger for God, which is like talking about having this heart to prefer God to anything else. And so to cry out for insight that comes from God, it comes from his word. And then after that, would he said to, um, to search it, search for it like hidden treasure. And so it's like receive, memorize, reflect, treasure, and then, or excuse me, um, uh, cry out for it and then treasure it or, or seek it, like obey it, find it. It's like life's such an adventure. Life is such an amazing, there's so many opportunities in front of us, so many resources available to us. Life is such an adventure, man, that, that, to give ourselves up for God and for others, He always returns that with joy. Always returns that with joy. And we, it's so counterintuitive. We think we have to be the one to look after ourselves in order to make things best for us. But the reality is if we'll trust Him and trust His revelation, His Word to seek out and live for the advantage of others, He'll bring it full circle and bring more revelation and more insight. And the loop continues where you cry out for more and he delivers more and you apply it to your life and you hunger for more and you reflect on it, meditate on it. And he continues to open those things up to us, man. It's really a beautiful idea, but I, but I just, I don't know. I'm just rambling. I love that. I don't have a, no, I don't have a, 
bull, next, billboard answer. The, no, that was an incredible billboard. It'd be a really, it'd be a lot of billboards back to back that you'd have to pass to get the full message. <laughs> yeah, but, like when you're going by Biloxi on. A, yeah. So the other, the other thought I have is, um, so uh, kind of the whole deal of made in excellence is we're made in God's image. We are the sum of the five people we surround ourselves with. Ooh, wow. um, and then also we're, we're leaving a legacy, whether it's a good legacy or a bad legacy or nobody remembers us at all. But okay. one of the things about my legacy is that I have the things that were brought, left down to me has been memories, great memories with family, great values. And then I'm hoping that there's some wealth that we can kind of go do with the world. Tell me, like, um, what do you want your legacy to be? And then what do you want legacy kind of what do you want your legacy to be? Really? That's it. Man, I, that's another fabulous question, dude. And I, I wish I could say that I had like an answer already written down. I've thought through and reflected on this. I, I have some things that I've that I've thought through. But man, I, one of the things that's really, really important to me is community. Yeah. And I mean, biblical community. Like you talked about, the, you're a reflection of the five people around you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like the, that's, that's biblical, right? He who walks with the wise becomes wise and the companion of fools will suffer harm. That's Proverbs. And I love biblical community, the place where you can be vulnerable, the place where you can be honest, the place where you can best obey um, the love one another's and do unto one another as you would have them, the, the one another's of Scripture. This is in biblical communities where right. that you can do that, where you're known and still loved. One of my friends has, and he's quoting another another author, but he talks about this all the time. He said, man, if you're if you're... If you're known and not loved, he said, like that's the worst thing possible, right? But but if you're if you're loved and not known, and that's mm. just that's cheap. But if you're known and you're loved, man, that is a beautiful life, and that's yeah. a beautiful relationship. The, you somebody that knows the worst about you, but they're still with you. They're still yes. bearing with you. They're still bearing your burden. So, biblical community and, and relational discipleship; those are two big words that we use at, at our church all the time. And so, man, I, I would hope that I leave a legacy here in Lubbock at Victory Life Church when I'm dead and gone that people in our church have learned to stick it out. Because you said something a minute ago about church. You, you guys were hopping churches and looking around when you found Victory Life, right? right. That's, like a, that's like a pastime in Lubbock. Yeah. I mean, that's like... People do that for fun, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, just random people just floating through our church and then going to another church, or they mm -hmm. get mad at somebody across the hall, or they get mad at me or whatever, and they go somewhere else. But to figure out and how to make a relationship stick and to talk through your differences and to love people, man, I, I think, I mean, I mean, endure with it over the long haul. I think that would be a beautiful legacy to have a church that was like, man, we're just... We're going to love one another. We're going to stay together. We're going to figure this out thick or thin, and we're going to do the best. We're going to make mistakes, and we're going to extend grace, and we're going to get mad, and we're going to get ticked off, and we mm -hmm. might have some screaming matches, but we're going to come back together, and we're going to figure it out. Yeah. And I think that would be a ma an amazing thing. I love that. You're a guy that's going to change the world, and you're doing it because you're making disciples, and you're just doing God's Word. And I know that you don't, you'll never take credit for that, but God's put a gift. He's gifted you with a lot, and... Uh, Another question that I have for you is, um, so what is something you've always wanted for yourself? You mean like a possession or an experience? Anything. I, I'd, okay, so I'll go experience. I yeah. would love, 
I would love to take my wife on a sailboat and go from like Galveston to like southern tip of Chile. Or, a sailboat? Or, yeah. Like, <laughs> that sounds so know, dangerous. Like, oh, yeah. It would be really dangerous. <laughs> but I love adventure, man. Would so she like, do that? Uh, I mean, if I told her it was like lunch, you know, and we got on there and <laughs> just never came back. Yeah. Got, and just take off. Castaway. <laughs> Wilson. Actually, she might. She yeah. really, she, she might. She loves the water. She loves seafood. So I think, man, it's just fish for your food. Have a little diesel on there in case you you know you run into a storm. You can get out, but just to like hit some ports along the way and just see it all the way down. That's cool. The the, the coast of South America, man, that would be an amazing amazing trip. I've always wanted to do something like that. That's cool. kind of a Jimmy Buffett fan too. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm <laughs> never listen to any son of a I mean, sailor, son of a son of a sailor. Yeah, he's got some good music, but anyway, uh, that's hilarious. He man. inspired me a little bit to think about sailing when I was younger. That's awesome. Okay, well, what's uh, one thing I can do for you? Man, Jacoby, I think keep doing what you're doing. I mean, that sounds cliche, but to to keep encouraging and inspiring people to with this concept of Avada for sure. And then, brother, love Haley well. Yeah, man. Love her well, man. Please do that. I love it. I love the encouragement. Uh, I think, I mean, Haley's been the greatest gift I've ever received. Amen. And um, next to, obviously, salvation. But uh, she's awesome. Our marriage is awesome. I'm so lucky to have her. Man. And um, it's cool. It's cool. Like I don't, I don't know how else to say that. I was with a bunch of guys this last weekend that were struggling and found Jesus on a jail sale and had you know real stuff. And uh, I was just thinking to myself, God, I'm so blessed. Yeah, I'm so blessed. I was, I was, I was gifted all of this, you know. And yeah. I have to make the most of it. Yeah. I got another thing you can do for me. Yeah. Sorry, I just thought of it. When you get mad at me down the road and you decide to leave churches, don't do it and come talk to me and give. And oh along the gosh. way, give me honest feedback, man. We got to be people that give honest feedback. So I have to tell a story real quick. Um, we were meeting with some um, some people from the church. We were looking at this. There's a piece of land that was being something deeded over. One of the, one of the things that you're going to do. And I love hole-in-the-wall restaurants. I like to reward the mom and pop. I like to keep them in business. <laughs> and I took Stephen. I'm not going to name Well, I guess I can name it. They went out of business. Oh, they I, did? Yeah. I took Stephen to the... Uh, to the uh, uh, Dipsy, Dixie, Dixie Dog on Wolferth, and Stephen was like, where are we meeting? He had one of the elders with him, and he was like texting me, like, are you sure this is where you... <laughs> He's like, why don't we go to Evie Mays? I'm like, the closed, you know, whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was hilarious, because you were like, I can't believe we're meeting here. But, <laughs> it's just funny. It was definitely a hole in the wall. It's yeah. good, though. I've got, an, I've got a lot of hole in the walls to take you. All right, I'm well, ready, man. All right. Hey, thanks for being here today. Appreciate My it. Absolute pleasure, Jacoby. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Thanks. Thank you.